It's time for some overlooked stocks. George Tillis has found the movers that you missed in today's action, and they are quite a selection. George, let's start with your pharma play. A-tier pharmaceuticals, A-T-Y-R, company that's working on a treatment for pulmonary sarcoidosis, which is an inflammatory disease of unknown cause that affects the lungs primarily. And uh, this was like a, a totally unknown stock until a few days ago, uh, apart from those who were lucky enough to figure this out early on, because it's been ramping up big. Yeah, they call it uh, interstitial lung disease, OJ, which is sort of a wide variety of uh, lung issues. But uh, ADER is an interesting company. It IPO'd back in 2015, but it is a biotherapeutics company that is uh, focusing on T-cell therapeutics, which is basically a, a way to to help the immune uh, the immune system uh, fight off uh, things like cancer, inflammatory diseases, and infections. And uh, they actually had some positive results. They've got a phase one, phase two trial going on uh, for a particular drug to deal with uh, lung disease. They only had 37 patients enrolled in the study, and they talked about this uh, last quarter, that in September they would publish results. They did, and the, the results themselves were actually quite promising uh, in this particular trial, which, again, only included 70, uh, sorry, 37 uh, uh, respondents in the trial or patients in the trial. It is a small sample size, but it is, of course, the next uh, – or the beginning step to, of course, move into a phase three trial, which includes, of course, a larger uh, sample size on a longitudinal longitudinal basis, which takes a little bit more time. But overall, pretty nice uh, mover today for the company uh, when it comes down to what it does and how it provides potential therapeutics. Uh, there's actually a couple of other companies in this this space that are dealing with uh, interstitial lung disease, and that includes uh, Galapagos and. Fibrogen, and you can actually see that uh, Ader here is actually doing quite well, respectively, in their trials. And of, of course, we actually see the price action last year reflect that as well. Okay, so uh, this is a big moment for them, George. I mean, it seems like it uh, sort of uh, justifies the amount of spending, the weight. So this is the highest level since 2000. 18. Uh, so clearly things have turned around. I mean, this is a stock that got as low as two bucks at one point and just kind of went nowhere. That's right. And so, look, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a company that's got some drugs uh, that are in the pipeline. One of the things that I did notice is the last two quarters, they didn't report any revenue. I had to go all the way back to uh, Q4 of 2020, where, in fact, they did generate some revenue. And it looks like it was potentially now some licensing revenue is around $2 million. Now, it is a small, let's call it a microcap company, around $152 million. Uh, and if you look at its free cash flow burn in the last year, uh, it's about uh, $32 million. And on a balance sheet, they've got about a, about five quarters worth of cash, $44 million. But uh, based upon the Q4's numbers for top-line sales, previous quarters to that quarter in uh, Q4 2020, they were only generating sales in the five digits. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars. So they got a big bump in Q4. It could have been a one-time payment licensing deal with a particular partner. I wasn't able to find a collaborative partner uh, for this name. But uh, after these results, we are starting to get some traction uh, from analysts. If you look at uh, what's going on, Roth Capital, as well as Oppenheimer. Now, Roth uh, basically initiated their, uh, their coverage on the stock with a $21 price target from 20. Uh, and Oppenheimer actually moved their needle or moved the needle for 
uh, uh, Ader to uh, to the upside to twenty dollars from fourteen. So I think this uh, this phase one two trial results does show some promise, and I think overall uh, this company seems to be outpacing its respective competitive peers. And you can see that in the price action. The results confirm that as well. You get analysts who back the stock. And as I, as I mentioned, collaborative partners do make a big difference, OJ, when it comes down to these micro-cap companies. I can't say for sure if it was uh, a payment from a collaborative partner. This is, again, in Q4 2020. But overall, things to, seem to be moving in the right direction, as you mentioned. Uh, it hasn't hit these levels in quite some time. Okay. All right. Interesting, George. So pipeline uh, right now, uh, much of it uh, concentrated in their main uh, treatment areas I mentioned uh, uh, that you discuss, and those now moving, getting pretty close to phase three. The other stuff in their pipeline still very early on for tumor treatment and other cancer-related inflammations that are in the pure research uh, and preclinical stages. So uh, this is uh, one in the category of getting closer to commercialization in the market obviously likes that if they can get through that kind of next phase uh, of the process. So interesting one to keep on our radar now as a uh, another biotech up and comer. George, let's uh, go to a company that uh, has been on the show here before, Lion Electric, LEV, the ticker. Uh, the shares bouncing here. You've got an analyst uh, that initiated some coverage on it with a price target of 20 bucks. That seemed to do the trick. Yeah, I mean, interesting company. I'll explain why in just a second. We'll talk about the analyst. Uh, CIBC did actually uh, start coverage on the company with a $20 price target. It's now, this is the sixth analyst. There were five before, and it looks like the consensus is right around $20, uh, $21.5 uh, in terms of price consensus in the next year or so. But Line Electric, you know, it's not necessarily too interesting in the space where we know there's a lot of electric vehicle manufacturers, but right. they make uh, buses did, uh, and stuff. IPO. Yeah, that's the thing. So let's let's focus on uh, some of the history. One is, is it's a it's a it's a reverse IPO via SPAC not too long ago. But two, the company's been around since 2008. I think that's also compelling. Now, the manufacturer of zero emissions vehicles at this company line focuses on are things like urban trucks, commercial vehicles like box trucks for public safety. Uh, if you think about things like um, paramedics or EMT trucks for fire. Uh, the other thing is, is you got to think about box trucks for commercial use and also things like for uh, for garbage hauling, so public utilities or public uh, public uh, uh, waste disposal. The other thing is electric buses, and and that is again the larger component of its business, which includes, of course, school buses and mass transit. Now, the catalysts are several going on. One, you know, just look at Joe Biden's call. He's got a call for 500,000 zero emission buses by 2030. It might be part of the infrastructure package that was recently planned. We know that EV has been a very hot trend on a secular basis. But the other thing is, if you look at the uh, the company itself, in terms of the trajectory of production, that's what we got to focus on. So they're past the proof of concept. They're producing vehicles. So, so far in the first two quarters, 61 vehicles. Now it's not bad, it's a good start, okay. which included about 13 box trucks and about 48 buses. But if you look at what's going on going forward, uh, a couple of compelling things. One, they've got about almost 1,100 combined vehicles, buses and trucks expected to be completed and, and produced by the end of this year. 500 per year for the next five years is Amazon. And I think that's very compelling here. The second thing is, is do they have the production capacity? 
Well, right now, they don't necessarily have the production capacity to produce more than 700 units. However, by the end of the year, their production capacity is expected to be about 2,500 units combined trucks and buses. They're opening uh, a manufacturing plant in Illinois. This is a Canadian company. So I think some of the things going forward for the company in terms of revenue is very interesting. And let me give you some perspective here real, real quick. Okay. Uh, last quarter, the company reported about $16 million in revenue. That's not a lot. But right now, estimates are that if they hit the production capacity based on pricing uh, forecasts, that could mean revenue up to $650 million per year. So that's a significant increase. And if you were to annualize $16 million, that's about 60 million. We're talking about 10x uh, revenue capacity that the company projects they would have the ability to produce by the end of this year. So I think that's compelling. You do have a commitment from Amazon. Uh, and also you gotta think about public and mass transit, which includes school buses. Some estimates have uh, the uh, school bus itself uh, market share or total addressable market includes about 45,000 units on an annualized basis. There's one competitor, in fact, Bluebird, which was spun off by Navistar. Hmm. Both these companies are down on a year-to-date basis, but I think there's something interesting going on from the public spending standpoint, but also you've got the private sector with Amazon committed to 500 vehicles a year for the next five years in total 2,500. Interesting. So right now the overall pressure has been sector-wide though and hard to escape. Maybe this is an early right. sign that that yep. can happen, but at least uh, there is some good stuff here in terms of the production, but it's impossible really to, to know how many vehicles they need to have out running to you know, justify what's already happened in, in the price. I know it's you know, pulled way, way back, two and a half billion dollar company, uh, you know, yes. compared to some of the other small mid caps that we talk about that are you know, uh, growing their revenues from you know, smaller places, just still is uh, a bit of a speculative trade about future adoption for yeah. some of these vehicles. George, you got one more for us before I let you go. Uh, HUT is the ticker. I think this is the first for this se uh, section uh, for this block, HUT 8 Mining. Have we ever talked about this one before? We haven't actually, no, OJ. So, you know, uh, you know, Bitcoin's been rather volatile. It was higher today. I've noticed. But overall, um, some interesting stuff is going on within specific uh, uh, Bitcoin or crypto miners. So HUT8 is a mining a crypto asset, if you will, a digital asset mining company. Actually, it's uh, based out of Alberta, Canada. Uh, and, one, and that's important because one of the things that uh, Alberta, Canada has is it's got cold weather, which is, again, very favorable for uh, for uh, cooling these uh, these uh, hot mining operations. The second thing is cheap energy uh, when it comes down to tar sands, as well as lots of lots of natural gas. So those are two compelling uh, features that make HUD-8 actually quite uh, interesting when it comes down to, you know, the uh, the margin capabilities for for miners going forward. It really comes down to the economics. So uh, a couple of analysts uh, that uh, cover the company, they've got price targets around $10, which is about where the stock is trading at. But overall, one of the interesting things I found about this company relative to maybe uh, other miners is which one of these companies, uh, uh, the companies that, forgive me, that actually seem to be performing quite well uh, relative to the respective peers or the HODL companies. In other words, hold on for dear life. What I mean by that is <laughs> the companies that are actually in mining that are holding the coin, not necessarily mining and selling in the open market. What right. HUD is actually doing 
is they're actually lending uh, against the uh, assets they have uh, under under management. In other words, the, uh, the the crypto assets that they have on their books, and that seems to be again uh, a very compelling way to to accrete money, participate in the in the appreciation of the underlying digital asset. Yep. Not to mention, of course, the profitability profile of the company, which is still strained. By the way, we got to keep that in mind uh, with negative free cash flow seems to have a little bit more better trajectory than some of its uh, respective peers. Mara uh, is another uh, uh, mining company we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, Marathon. Mara, in fact, actually has got the same sort of HODL strategy, which means that they're actually uh, loaning out Bitcoin to generate revenue versus selling. And that you can see from the chart standpoint, Mara seems to be performing uh, uh, respectively very similar to HUD-8.